This is Real Business in Real Time with executive coach Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Learn what C-suite execs and business leaders have learned in the real-time, real-world school of hard knocks. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Hi, this is Mark Hinderleiter. Welcome to Real Business in Real Time. Today's topic is a hot one. We're going to be talking about working remotely for those of us who work remotely or are brand new to working remotely because of COVID-19. And we're also going to talk about managing a team remotely. So both sides of that remote coin. So I have two guests today. Uh, Anka Julia Sanders is a learning and development professional, and she has a PhD in educational psychology, culture, human development, and learning science. And that is the most awesome PhD I've ever heard of. Um, <laughs> she's a smart lady, so glad to have her on the show. And uh, Anna, so she's here in South Texas, kind of where I'm at, and has about 10 years of working remotely uh, for a, a company that's headquartered uh, somewhere else. So uh, Anka is going to be talking about working remotely. Uh, my second guest is Christopher Brenchley. Christopher is the CEO of Surehand and a serial entrepreneur. I've been in industry about 30 years, and half of those has been working and leading remote teams, so for about 15 years. So a lot of experience on working remotely and managing remote teams. So uh, thank you all for joining me today. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, Anka, I'm going to start with you. So there's two sides of this coin, working remotely and then managing remote teams. And while there's some overlap, there's some different kind of dynamics and skill sets. So, you know, in your 10 years, when you first started working remotely, what would you do wrong <laughs> that, that you learned <laughs> from kind of the, just experience? Uh, probably everything. Starting with uh, just working on my bed and, you know, when I was still in college. So I started, that's when I started. So I didn't yeah. work 10 years for the same company that I'm with right now. But uh, I kind of organically grew into working remotely. It was in the beginning just, you know, making a couple of bucks on the side, um, you know, writing, uh, doing a lot of things where I wasn't really in contact with, with people. And it, I could do it from anywhere uh, yeah. and I could do it whenever I wanted. And then over the years, it just developed into, um, yeah, I guess my own business. And then uh, I got recruited by a global company that uh, I still work for. And I, I really love, you know, being kind of the, the only remote person in Houston for them. <laughs> it kind of gives me a special standing for, for everybody up in Toronto. For the most part, I work with people in Toronto, but I also deal with a lot of people outside of the United States or, or North America over in Germany, uh, where I'm originally from. Yeah, but I, I did a lot of things wrong. Um, I never really invested in a good headset uh, in the beginning because I didn't really need it, obviously, right? But uh, still, like you do have calls every now and again, and uh, you're utilizing tools uh, online, like whether it being Skype or or now, you know, we kind of uh, grown into using video calls more than just you know the audio calls uh, back in the days. So definitely a lot of uh, different tools that you're learning uh, or just trying out a lot of things. Right. Uh, and I think that's the biggest takeaway, too. While I did a lot of things wrong, maybe I needed to do them wrong to learn how to do them right. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't see that negative, obviously. Well, I don't know about you, too, but I'm a graduate of the School of Hard Knocks and the only I also <laughs> hold a Ph.D., but all of my lessons are really from experience, frankly. So uh, several years later, Anka, what are you doing differently 
And what mm-hmm. what are you doing that really helps you stay productive and connected mm-hmm. and, and those kind of things? Yeah. The first thing really I do, and I, I developed that over the years, is uh, keeping my space organized. Yeah. Uh, I, I know a lot of people do say I, I live in, in chaos and I live well in chaos uh, and it keeps me creative. I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> I, every morning Sounds I make good. sure everything is straightened up and uh, I, I actually have you know little notebooks and I have probably a stack of 20 per year, which I use and I have per day, I have, you know, okay, this is my to-do, I do to-do lists, which is nothing different from like a, maybe an office space where, where you're working either. But it becomes more important uh, if you are by yourself every day, if you have to keep track of everything by yourself, you can't just uh, tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, what was this about again? Or what was that? Right? So uh, you got to be aware of, you know, your own responsibilities and, and owning your, uh, your responsibilities. So you just said something I want to just follow up on a little bit. I'm a 30-year corporate person. I was a senior VP of HR for a billion-dollar global company. I've been out on my own for a couple of years now as an executive coach. And so I had to kind of do the learning curve like you. But one of the things that really had to get better at was just planning my day. You kind of said that. There's no structure around us. There's no kind of rhythm and routine of other people that we're interacting with. Uh, We really are not completely on our own because we have virtual teams, but kind of planning your day. Is that a little deal or is that a big deal? Uh, that's a big deal too. Yeah. Yes. That would be definitely the next thing too. Um, despite having an organized space, uh, yeah. you know, you get up, you take a shower, you get dressed. I do it just simultaneously with my husband so that, you know, he goes out, I stay in. Yeah. Um, but uh, having like that structure, having breakfast, you know, just like those typical things, like you just, I think you just need to keep doing what you're doing anyways, right? Um, so a routine, much like you would be in, in an office setting. Exactly, exactly. It's not like, you know, oh, yeah, you can sleep in and you can, you know, I have an hour longer in the morning. It's I, I don't think it's like that at all. Yeah. So why is that routine important? What's that do for you? It just gives me the structure, as you said. Okay. Right? Um, okay. And then with that, I can work very well. Um, maybe some people work better without that structure. But what I have seen and with people that I've talked to, this is very important, especially if you're on your own, uh, yeah. where you're not bound to to given structures, right? You're not bound to a nine to five necessarily. Uh, I do set my own hours. I do tell myself, this is when I start. This is when I end. And I mean, I can dive into how this has changed now with COVID-19. With the child at home, because schools are closed, I decided uh, to keep my structure because the first day, honestly, Monday, I was was exhausted. Uh, I I started my day the way I usually did. Um, It did not work out. So I decided I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning and start working early. So that I have a couple hours in the morning by myself to, to get focused work done. Um, and then uh, my husband now finally, um, his office, got, uh, they got sent home too as well. So now I'm able to rotate shifts with him. And uh, this structure not only helps me, it helps him and it helps my daughter too. Because think about it for a child now being home, <laughs> basically kind of like a remote preschooler, right? But they're not having any kind of structure given from, from school, right? Yeah. So uh we have to do that. But that's kind of another topic on the side. But uh, it does show you how important structure most likely is. Uh, so uh, to me, it's kind of interesting because it's a game changer. Uh, even for mm-hmm. folks that are experienced like you and Christopher, who've been 
you know, working remotely for a good while. It's different uh, starting like last Monday, right? Uh, For those who, you know, you have a husband who's now working at home, Christopher, your wife is now working at home, and Anka, you have a, a young daughter. So that kind of changed your rhythm and routine. You had to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to build on that too. I mean, one, one thing I'm curious about Anka too is, you know, as you've been remote working for some time, uh, making this transition, as you said, was fairly natural, right? Uh, and that there was really no change with the COVID-19 um, outbreak, but having your daughter at home, how, how have your coworkers and managers responded to that dynamic because that's new for them, right? So they haven't yeah, been used it's, to you having that uh, your daughter at home or even your husband at home. How how have they reacted to all that? Um, I was very nervous, and it turned out to be not an issue for anybody I work with. Uh, even my clients, I, I give them a heads up. I think communication is highly important in that uh, matter. That you communicate. Um, you know that's why I do the the four o'clock in the morning thing. That I have a couple hours for you know certain people I know or rather talk to them without a child around, things like that, right? Yeah. Um, but anybody that my daughter brought her doll over and I had to change a diaper of her doll in front of, you know, in, <laughs> people in the video call. So, uh, but everybody has been absolutely kind and understanding. And I think um, that speaks for for the people that I work with and, um, and for the teams that I work with. Uh, uh, I know of other examples that I've talked to other people where it has been differently. And I felt bad for them because it is important that we meet each other with kindness in such situations that we cannot control. Yeah. You know, I think one of the tips is really what what we're talking about here is, is during this COVID-19, we just have to help each other through this thing, don't we? I mean, I have heard, I've been on a bunch of conference calls this week. I've heard dogs barking. I've heard kids screaming and, and, a month ago, I would have been really annoyed by that, you know, but it's, it's, it's kind of what you and I were talking about, Christopher, it's the new normal. So mm-hmm. one of the tips is let's just help each other and support each other. So as you think about people that are new to doing uh, remote work, uh, what two or yeah. three things would you tell them to maybe get a faster start than, than the three of us got when we were new to it? Well, kind of ties into setting your own schedule. Uh, not only for work, set your schedule mindfully in terms of what else do I need to be doing during the day to to, to feel well, um, do exercise, uh, yeah. maybe meditation, whatever it is, cooking. You know, I remember my early days, um, this was probably one of the things I did wrong. I would forget about eating because I was working, working, working and 10 hours are gone. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll have a beer and a pizza. You know, uh, that's not going to sustain you um, <laughs> until eternity. So I think planning your life a little bit differently because at the office and I would love, you were mentioning it, all these, you know, infographics or whatever people are putting out there. Uh, I think it's great because I would want that. If I would start an office job, I would have no clue what I would need to be doing uh, to survive in an office environment. Right. But um, from what I've gathered, you know, there's oftentimes food available. You don't have to worry about that uh, in an office right now. You have to worry about that. And now with COVID-19, you have to even more worry about that because you can't just, you know, go out and about with getting everything. Uh, as easy. Actually, you posted something on LinkedIn a few days ago that I, that really made me think that uh, you said one of your tips was plan meals. 
And mm-hmm. I thought, well, what's the big deal about that? Until I thought about two more seconds that, well, the grocery stores are filled with people, but not products. <laughs> so I can't just at 1130 think about what am I going to eat because I'm probably not eating because mm-hmm. I haven't gone to the store in the refrigerator. So it is different. You know, planning mm-hmm. meals is kind of a big deal right now, at least during this, this outbreak. During this time, for sure. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, well and I, I would add to that, Mark, too. I mean, up in the Bay Area, we've been on shelter in place now for a few days. And, you know, for us, it's you just personally, it's not been too difficult. We love to cook. We cook quite a bit and we do enjoy going to restaurants and so on. But even even from our vantage point, really having to be mindful of um, when you're going to eat, what are you going to eat? I mean, it really is like that same remote working dynamic, but on steroids. I mean, I yeah. think is mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as those orders sort of expand throughout the country as they will in some shape or form, uh, you know, again, I think, I think in the end companies and people, whether they're workers, leaders, managers, I think we're all going to build sort of remote working muscles that we didn't even know we had to yep. be honest. Yeah. And so I, you know, if there's a bright side or one bright side, from a business standpoint to the experience we're all sharing as I think that is one positive that will, will come out of all this and force organizations, leaders and workers to rethink how work gets done, even as we emerge from, yeah, from yeah. this, which I, which we will, which I yeah. believe we will. Of we, course. we shall. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I really kind of my takeaway from what your last comment Anka, was, we've got to plan more than we used to when we work at home, we got to plan meals. You've got to plan for, working, you know, with your husband at home and your daughter at home, and it's just a different day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So planning, structure, organization, have a schedule. Uh, How do you handle distractions? I don't know about you two, but, you know, I see a shiny light go by me. I'm gone. I'm looking at it. (laughs) So how, how do you manage distractions? It comes back to what I just said. You plan them in. Okay. <laughs> so okay. like I, I got carried away a lot in the beginning, you know, doing laundry or, or doing the dishes, right? But I said now I set my time for those things. You know, okay. and then I, I do them for that hour or for that time and then I'm done. And then if it's still there, it's there. Sometimes you've got to start uh, becoming okay with not being perfect uh, in every area, right? And I think I criticized that about remote work uh, recently too, that um, oftentimes, and this might change through this, um, if you work remotely, uh, it's not necessarily seen as as valuable as if you're actually going to the office. Uh, if valuable is the right word, uh, I'm not sure. Um, but I still felt like I was taking on more housework, more of the other things, um, because I was home, because so I there. didn't have to commute, right? right? And I was there, exactly. So um, that is then also distracting, right? Because the things are here, they're right there. So uh, obviously we have two dogs, so there's a lot of fur and things, you know, and they they, uh, they need exercise too. So uh, yeah, you can get distracted going for a walk with the dogs uh, instead of 30 minutes for an hour. So you really have to have to set your reminders and have it in a way planned out and at some point it becomes a habit too right yeah. um so after usually what do they say 21 days after doing something rigidly you'll usually do it automatically more so actually that's a great kind of way to wrap up your part of this is you're really developing new habits aren't, aren't we mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. we work exactly. from home so anyway Anka, thank you uh, great tips mm-hmm. plan schedule uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, plan for distractions and just stay focused and, cu- and cut yourself a little slack too, maybe. Uh, oh yeah. Enjoy it too. Exactly. Yeah, And enjoy it. Cause you're working just as hard from home as somebody in the office. Oh. My experience is sometimes we put more or more, more so. 
Yeah, yeah. So anyway, thank <laughs> yeah. you. So Christopher, I want to switch to you. Uh, kind of the other side of that remote working coin is managing remote teams. You work both sides of that coin. You work remotely yourself a lot, uh, and then you manage remote teams as a CEO of a company. And you've done that for uh, quite a long time. Share what you've learned what you, from being a remote leader and how that's different than you're in the office, you're in the plant. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I've been thinking about this the last few days leading up to this conversation. And I think for me, it all really starts with culture at the company. And, you know, there's a lot of, I've seen a lot of posts around tools and systems and things. All those are really, really important, of course, to facilitate successful remote working. But it all really starts at the very top of the organization uh, and sort of the culture that leadership is creating in a given company. So for me, there's really five key things that, you know, I would focus on if I were a leader or manager trying to transition a team uh, into a remote remote working uh, sort of model or paradigm, whether it's part of this response to COVID-19 or in future, you know, other reasons. But the the first two are really important and, and it's trust and transparency. Because I think a big part of what's at play here for managers and workers is this idea that if you're a manager and you don't and you have a remote team and perhaps you're not uh, remote yourself, you have to get over this hump that you, I, I guess it's this innocent until proven guilty sort of mindset that you have to operate under that remote workers can be as productive, if not more productive than folks that are in the office. Because, I mean, let's be clear. There are a lot of things that distract workers in the office. Oh, for sure. So I think it's a fallacy for anyone to say, oh, well, there's so many distractions in uh, remote workers' life, which there are. They're just different. Um, but I think, I think starting with that trust and trusting that the, you know, the team you've put together to work remotely, um, you've got to have that trust. Um, and then I think the second element is transparency. Right. So I think leaders and managers need to be transparent with remote teams and workers to make sure they're setting proper expectations of the work that needs to get done. Right. And obviously, remote work is not going to work for every position in every industry. Right. There are roles that are more well suited for, you know, independent work, you know, that are more autonomous than others. But generally speaking, um, the the notion of setting those expectations uh, is really important. And I think. The flip side of that is equally important in that one of the things that we do at Surehand as a team, myself included, is we have a sort of highly transparent approach to scheduling and calendaring. We all know what we're doing and where we are during the workday so that there's no mystery. Like we remove all any distrust or any concern by being open and transparent with one another in terms of what we're doing just by a function of the calendar. And even if someone needs to pull out to take care of a personal matter or whatever, that's in the calendar too. And so, you know, to me, those are probably the two, you know, I've got a few more, but I mean, I think that's where you have to start is you have to have that cultural acceptance of, you know, remote working and remote business. So does it take a while to kind of build that trust and transparency from your experience? Uh, it, I think it can. I mean, it all depends on where you start. So if, you know, and I've worked, half my career was in an office setting, right? So I went into the corporate headquarters every single day and I've worked for multinational companies down to bootstrap my own startup. So I've kind of run the gamut, but it, it really depends on where you start, right? So within a very large organization, you have to have leadership on it, right? Or you're not going to be successful convincing, 
you know, your leadership as a manager that, you know, this person needs to work remote or here's this great talent all the way across the country. We can't afford to, or they don't want to move, but then we're going to lose out on like, you know, getting that, adding that talent to our team. So unless you have that, that buy-in from leadership, it's very, very difficult. Um, and then I think it, I honestly believe it comes down to kind of how you hire, right? I mean, for me, again, whether you're showing up in the office uh, at Surehand at our headquarters or you're someone who's going to work remote, we look for folks in any role, in every role, that we believe, A, are accountable and can operate autonomously. And I mean, I'm sure you've read a ton about startup cultures. It's all sort of move fast and break stuff, um, experiment, right? So, you know, test, measure, optimize, fail, like it's not a ride for everybody. So I think, I think in many ways in the startup world, in contrast to multinational corporations, it's a bit easier because the people that you're bringing in are sort of inherently more probably adaptive, more agile, certainly more risk tolerant, that kind of thing. So I think it all depends on where you start. Probably more entrepreneurial in spirit. Sure. So, so may I ask, so how do you know when you're hiring if a person would work well remotely or not? Like, is there like a trick for you to kind of screen that? Or is there, is there a certain skill guide that you give them a long hand uh, so they can learn it? Or what are you doing? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know that there's an exact sort of measure for the remote working part. But I think you can tease that out. And we tease this out in sort of the following way, which is when we're hiring for a new position, let's take a, a digital marketing manager position, which we were recently recruiting for. Um, one thing that you can do as a manager in that recruiting process is have that candidate or have your candidates after your first round of interviews put together a 30-day plan. Like, how would you start? What would be the very first thing that you would do when you got the job, joined your hand? Um, and I think, and I've seen this happen uh, many, many times uh, in my career where how that person takes that simple ask, you know, nothing too complicated, not a big plan, just send me an email, but you don't give them a whole lot of direction. You just sort of put that out there and see what they do. And in my experience, um, again, not so much tied to the remote work, but the sort of the gene or the trait for autonomy and independence mm -hmm. and, 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 and really going the extra mile, I think is a good leading indicator for someone that can work effectively uh, in a remote position or uh, working remotely. So it's a great question. Yeah, appreciate that. I think you had a list of five. Uh, yeah, I got other, a few more. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Keep, you're rolling, man. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I'm just trying to keep it. This is all good stuff. Yeah. And, and actually, this next one, Anka, touched on pretty much all the elements of it. But for me, the next one is structure. And when I say structure, you know, this is about bringing structure into an unstructured environment, right? And it starts with systems and processes, right? So everything from hardware that Anka was talking about with us earlier to uh, you know, software and systems. So for example, startups are inherently cloud-based for a variety of reasons, mostly because oftentimes new companies are distributed uh, by yeah. default, uh, need to be scrappier depending on their funding situation and how, many, how much capital they can deploy on certain things. So I think having systems that are cloud-based helps a lot. And then having sort of the, the systems in place to facilitate calls like this. So working with a, a web conference provider like Zoom that we're using today, using Slack or similar for real-time collaboration across distributed teams, using you know, Google Drive or Google Suite tools that allow you to collaboratively work on documents or spreadsheets. Those are the system, that's the sort of system component of structure. 
And then I think the other two parts of structure that come into play are tied to processes and routines, right? Anka talked a lot about routine from the worker front, but just as an example with InsureHand, even before all of this, and then again, we've been working remote or partially remote from the beginning, we do daily stand-up calls. And that's a very typical thing that happens with software development teams, for example, but we do it across our entire business. And we have a large stand-up call, takes 15 minutes to get through. Then we break off and do smaller, more detailed calls with our product team and sales and marketing team. So everyone goes off and does their call. But that, that actually allows us to stay super aligned as a business and make sure that whether you're in the office or whether you're remote, you know what the rest of the team is doing. You know what those priorities are. You know where the, the obstacles are. So I think that's a really important aspect of, of making this go. It's not just the systems, it's kind of how we work together, especially if it's blended. You know, where I, you know, I'm sure Anka that, you know, if you're the only remote person in Texas for your company, you know, you have to feel plugged in to that, the rest of your teammates, right? Or the rest of the organization. So I think processes can help a lot with that. Do you require um, everybody to turn on their videos um, or is that something you don't really care? Well, you know, honestly, I'm quite dressed up. No one, we're, this is an audio podcast, so you can't see what I'm wearing, but I did shave and put a polisher. I'm like, look, that. We're, 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 a tech, we're a tech startup. So look, I would say for internal calls, the rule of the day is comfort um, and we want everyone to feel comfortable um, obviously, if we're doing customer calls or client calls or partner calls, we will we will dress appropriately or accordingly. Um, in terms of audio versus video, uh, we don't really have a policy, to be honest with you. Uh, I've never been asked that question. I would say, generally speaking, the video element helps quite a bit in terms of helping that remote worker uh, feel more part of the team, feel more plugged in. But if for whatever reason someone's having a bad hair day too, they just don't feel like turning the video on. If, if they didn't turn the video on, it wouldn't matter. Right. We, we would keep going and we should have a screenshot of that, Mark. <laughs> but, um, but you get the idea. So it, it's not a requirement. And I suppose there could be a policy in place for that. But again, we're a small startup. So yeah. how we roll might not be right for large organizations. Well, you are hitting on a topic that is so critical. You know, we think about productivity with people who are working remotely. But I also, as an old HR uh, executive, think about connectivity, you know, both with technology, but but really with human beings. Sure. Um, so I want to throw this one to Ankh, and I'll come back to you, Christopher. How do you stay connected on the on the employee end with a corporate office a couple thousand miles away? What do you do or what do they do so that you feel connected to the group? Well, um, at least uh, I used to be able to fly out every three months. And that was really like the quality time I got to spend with the team, right? Yeah. Uh, I would really make use of that, try to meet with everybody, um, either individually or as groups to discuss certain topics. I'm working on several projects simultaneously. So I feel like I do get to spend some uh, video sharing time uh, with most, most people. Not as much as sometimes I wish, but I have the feeling that through this current situation, uh, there might be more of the social element for me yeah. coming out of this as well. Uh, we have chatted way more on Slack than we have ever before. <laughs> Um, all the meme sharing uh, aside, right? It's been really refreshing for me to see as well that it does work differently quite well. 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Christopher, how do you keep your folks feeling like they're part of a team? Well, I, again, I think in addition to the regular, you know, the routine of those daily stand-up calls, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that, that is a big key. But I mean, Anka just said something really important to me, which is this whole idea of memes and sense of humor and humanity and things like that. I mean, as you think about remote teams and virtual teams, you know, humor is okay, right? Obviously needs to be appropriate, but you know, we are humans and having a good sense of humor and having ways and Slack's a great example where we have, we have channels on Slack that we use simply for sharing things that are inspirational, sharing things that are funny, sharing things about our daily lives. Like we have all the work channels, right? Yeah. But it's all about, you know, we're not robots. We're not sort of automatons that, you know, we have a sense of humor. We have a soul. So I, I think as managers, and this sort of touches on my last two tips. One, we need to respect that humanity. We need to have empathy for folks that are working remotely, especially during times of crisis like these, where, and you touched on it, Mark, this idea of where, you know, someone might get irritated by a child entering a video call with a, you know, with a request or a dog barking or whatever. We just need to get over that. I mean, yep. honestly. And then I would say for us as a company, We've been over that for a long time. That's just the nature of remote work. It doesn't interrupt really anything when you think about it. Um, and then again, just using those those things that are not all about work on Slack just builds that relationship that your your team has with one another. Common interests, um, debates, dialogue, et cetera. It just really sort of opens up how they think and communicate. And then I would say the last thing too, and it's related to your question, is it's really important for managers, leaders, and frankly, workers to understand the, no the concept of boundaries in the remote working world. So, you know, as a worker, Anka's already talked about routine, um, talking about probably working too late into the night, forgetting to eat. Oh, my gosh, I'm still working. I need to unplug. Um, it's really important for remote workers to set those boundaries so that even though they could easily log in and keep working or stay logged in and keep working, that they unplug and go about their life, the, the rest of their life. Um, and then for managers and leaders, it's about respecting those boundaries and helping employees establish them or remote workers establish them because it's not natural for most people. The structure for office workers is provided by the workday. You show up, you commute, you do your work, you come home, and you're automatically unplugged. Emails made that a little harder, but generally speaking, that structure is forced upon uh, employees. In the remote world, you're counting on the employee to know when enough is enough. And so my steer to managers and leaders is to, again, help those employees that are working remotely, establish the boundaries, uh, honor them, and respect them. Um, you know, we're a startup, and you read lots of stories about toxic startup cultures where leadership and managers are, you know, uh, pinging people at 11 o'clock at night and over the weekend. And I will tell you at your hand and any of the startups or teams I've led, that is not how we roll. Uh, if we have to, we'll do it if there's an issue or something that needs to get resolved, but it is by no means the default. So I think, you know, to me, empathy and, and setting those boundaries are really sort of all, all one and the same thing. They're super important. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, go ahead. The empathy, I, I always say, be patient with yourself, be patient with others, be kind with yourself, be kind with others, and mindfulness, right? So that's really empathy in, in a nutshell there for me as well. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. So I'm going to give both of you just kind of the last word before we sign off. So uh, Anka, last thought. 
Um, my daughter is at the door. Yes, come in. <laughs> we couldn't have staged that better. That's awesome. <laughs> it was knocking at the door for like the last five minutes. That is awesome. Come here. So we are talking about working right from there. home in the new world. So that's what's <laughs> happening. So it's all good. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So so I guess I can only repeat what I just said, right? You got to be be okay with with things not going the way you may have planned them, and be patient with yourself, with others, and be kind, right, Maya? Yeah. <laughs> She's nodding. She's nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Last word, Christopher. Yeah, you know, Mark, for me, I want this was great. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, likewise to you, Anka, as well. And you know, I yes, think for me. I've long felt that presence does not equal productivity, okay? So wherever someone is, whether they're working from home, working from a coffee shop, working from wherever, as long as they're delivering value to the organization and meeting or exceeding the expectations that you as a manager or leader have set out for that remote worker or that remote team, it's all good. Uh, And so, again, if there is an upside to all of this is going on right now, I think I think both sides of the equation, leadership, management, and the employee side, we're all learning to do this really, really well. And I and I hope that that'll be a benefit again as we emerge from it all. Yeah, I appreciate that. So again, you kind of triggered a thought here. So, you know, some managers manage activity, and some managers manage to results. Mm-hmm. So, so in this in this new world, don't we kind of have to? So I think I would have heard you hearing is we, we really have to kind of make a shift to just to managing results. Correct. Uh, because managing activities remotely is, I don't know how you do that, frankly, and unless you have somebody send you an email every hour uh, about what they're doing. And that is clearly not productive or a good idea. That's where autonomy well, comes in, I think, right? Where we all have to take our own responsibilities very seriously. Yeah, accountability has to be part of this. For accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, but but again, my build on that would be, I expect that from our teams, myself included, uh, whether I'm working in an office or whether I'm working at home or working okay. in a coffee shop. It doesn't matter where you are. It's about what you're doing. And are you as an organization achieving your goals, hitting your objectives? I don't care how much time it takes someone to deliver value to the company because everybody's different. Everybody works at their own pace. As long as in the end you deliver the value and we achieve the objectives we set out to achieve, then we're good. Uh, I, let's end on that. Great conversation. So, Dr. Anka Julia Sanders, thank you for uh, sharing your experience. And uh, Christopher Brinchley, thank you for sharing your experience. Folks, thanks for listening. As I always end these podcasts with great podcasts are the new MBA. So thanks for listening and thank you uh, to you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Real Business in Real Time with executive coach Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Be sure to connect with Mark Hinderleiter on LinkedIn, check out his leadership tip of the week, and subscribe to this podcast on the app of your choice. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.